Again, episode number 211. Aaron, we got a great show coming up today. As always, presented by MegaWare Keelguard. If you have not checked them out, be sure to check out why you need a MegaWare Keelguard product on your boat. Visit them at keelguard.com. Yeah, Keelguard, always protecting your boat from harmful rocks and road debris. I've got one on mine. Make sure you get one on yours. Bass Edge Radio is ready to kick it off. Let's begin now. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. We are officially six months, halfway through 2015, hard to believe, but a lot of things going on concerning the news, concerning weather, just uh, a lot to talk about today. Yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. Hey, did you see the recent blaster? Bass blaster, of course, I'm referring to. Dude, I'm in it! I made the blaster. Uh, Kumar's talking about Kentucky Lake a few weeks back and all the crowds. And a beautiful shot of my Dixie electric boat right in the shot. You, you, know, got it's, it's, you know, it's a good day when I get blaster anyway, but it's even better yeah. when I open up my email and I see your mug shot on it. So. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, make sure that uh, all Bass Edge Nation is getting the Bass Blaster. Man, they got all kinds of great information. We talk about it nearly every episode, but uh, of course they've got BassGold.com as well, changing patterns with the crazy weather that we're having. All that information is going to be real important to have so you can be out there on the lake and be super successful. But if you want to sign up for Bass Blaster, make sure you send an email to BassBlaster at BassGold.com. Make sure you're staying in the loop with some of the latest email blasts that are coming in with all kinds of bass fishing information. Aaron, moving right along, dude. What's up? Are you gasping for air, dude? You're like bloop, 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 lots of water. That is for sure. And actually, you know, it, it wasn't too long ago that I thought uh, at the studio we were going to be actually doing video live of me flipping chairs in uh, the basement <laughs> as as there was a major flooding going on. But you know what? It's, things are starting to dry out. Uh, they're starting to get back to normal conditions. And I think that's a big part to this crazy heat that we're having. We went basically from spring right into summer. Aaron, there's no question. I was on uh, Toledo Bay. 
spend just a few weeks ago in between Kentucky Lake and then filming a, a major league fishing event out in Tennessee. And water temps went from like mid 70s to mid 80s in like two weeks, dude. It was out of control. Got the fish way crazy. Still some on the bank because they're like, hey, dude, it was nice up here just a little while ago. And then some offshore. So, you know, high water, fish scattered, all kinds of crazy stuff going. But talking about heating up, Aaron, we're going to heat up right here with the next pro tip from protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. This is FLW Cup champion Anthony Gagliardi, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. Bass Edge Radio's Pro Tip segment is brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Point fishing with professional angler Ott Defoe. Ott, what is your definition of a point and list elements an angler should look for that make it productive? That's a great question. A point to me is something standing out off the bank. To put it the most simple, it would be shaped like a triangle, you know, kind of coming off the bank. It's going to be wider at the bank and come out into the water. Most of them are, you know, just going to taper out. Some of them may come back up and have a high spot on the end or go out and have a major drop off or whatever. It's going to be basically a an extending part of the land that's running out into the water, you know, and of course they come in all shapes and sizes from short points to long points. But the biggest thing that a lot of times you can find with a point is a pattern within them. Is it a main lake point that has been most productive, a secondary point? Are the long points better than short points? Are the ones with deep water close to them better than the ones that are just real shallow all around them? Those type of things are what you can determine about points and find out which ones are going to be the most productive. And another big thing that I would look at is the presence of current, whether it's wind or you know water-generated current. But the presence of current and which way that current is hitting those points and how the fish are set up accordingly. Those are, those are the big factors I look at whenever I'm fishing points and looking for a pattern with them. Well, thanks, Ott. That's a great tip. That's Bassage's Pro Tip, brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Two fishermen came together with one agenda, to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish. With our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat, we're building a legend. Legend Boats. Aaron, I tell you what, buddy, man, I'm excited to have this young gun on the show today. An angler recently making some noise on the BASS Elite Series, especially in his native state of California. Bass Edge welcomes Mega Bass Pro Angler, Chris Zaldane. Great to have you on the program, Chris. Hey, guys. Glad to be here on Bass Edge. Long-time fan, long-time listener. 
first time caller. <laughs> well, it's certainly our pleasure to have you on, Chris. And you know, you have uh, been one of the ones that I have really just enjoyed watching over the last few years on the Elite Series. What has been your biggest obstacle to overcome during your transition to the East? You know, growing up in California, my biggest obstacle, without a doubt, is adjusting to the size of the lakes that we fish, the bodies of water that we fish. Without a doubt, I mean, uh, out in California, growing up, you know, our tournament lakes out there, I mean, they're only as big as 30,000 surface acres. You know, we got Lake Shasta up in Northern California. We got Clear Lake up in Northern California, which is, I think, 40,000 acres. But it seems like we've got shorter shorelines there. And uh, when you go out to Table Rock out there in Missouri or Toledo Bend down there in Texas, Louisiana, it's like, oh my gosh, where do I start? So that's been the biggest thing for me. And then you go up to the Great Lakes and, you know, where do you start? Again, going up to California, I mean, usually we can break down lakes in one or two days, but, you know, the two and a half days of practice on the Elite Series, and you cannot cover those lakes in just two and a half days of practice. So that's been the toughest transition for me, without a doubt, but it kind of makes you fish faster, fish smarter, and uh, it also forces you to do your homework before you get to those bodies of water. You bet, Chris. Man, I've been watching you. So real quick, Zal Dangerous. How do you come up? How, <laughs> how does Zal Dangerous arrive? Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a good story. When I qualified for the elites, back in 2011. I was fishing out of California. I fished the FLW series out there, made the Forest Wood Cup four years in a row, and then decided, you know what, I'm going to chase down the Bass Elite Dream. So in 2011, I decided to travel from California to Missouri Table Rock and back, California to Texas, Lake Louisville and back, and then from California to Muskogee, Oklahoma, which is the Arkansas River and back. And those were the three central opens that I fished. And I ended up first place in points and, and got my Elite Series invite. And, you know, at the end of 2000, 2011, I'm like, oh man, I'm qualified now. Now what? Let's we, we got to try to find right. money to, to get this thing together. And early 2012, you know, I started calling people, and the whole Skeeter Yamaha thing came about thanks to my buddy Brandon Polinick, you know, another Western young angler. So I, I reached out to him. We were kind of sharing a bait sponsor out there at the time. We both like big baits, swim baits, stuff like that. So we really hit it off right off the bat. I never even met the kid, but you know, we were talking <laughs> on the phone, texting each other, and, and he gave me all this insight. He was a rookie at the time, 2011. So in 2012 rolls around, you know, me and Brandon really hit it off. So we hung out together. And by about mid-season, you know, we were rooming together. Mid-season 2012, I had a top 10 finish on Toledo Bend. And, you know, I come back to the room that night and he goes, now dangerous, you know, and I go, wow, that's, dude, that's <laughs> awesome. I like that. Right, so right. he kind of, yeah, he came up with it. And three, four years later, we came up with a little logo and uh, just stuck from there. So pretty cool. That's awesome, dude. That's uh, some of the fun parts that people don't really obviously see in the public yep. is traveling yep. getting tight with some buddies yeah and it's really cool and we're all brothers in it you know all 112 113 of us you know we're all after the same thing and to go through the ups and downs together you know that's something special without a doubt and not a lot of people can say that so yeah you bet man you bet well going back to uh the last eight or ten months you've had some zal dangerous things going on <laughs> out there on the lake dude yeah so bringing up a couple couple little things you know we see uh last year at toledo bend it was the yeah. giant fish that you caught on like i don't know six pound <laughs> test or something crazy it was super yeah. light line then this yeah. year you back it up with a 12 pounder on the delta <laughs> yeah. so what is the deal is it good timing 
or is it something that you can put your finger on that has provided yep. you with these special moments? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, catching almost a nine pounder on six pound test and then a 12 pounder on 12 pound test. Those are definitely dangerous moments. You know, oddly enough, both of them were around the spawn. I saw both of those fish before I caught them. The one on Toledo Bend last year, there were three or four boats in the area and I saw that fish on the last day of practice real late in the day. You know, the meeting was in two hours. So I, I had to hurry up. I was just jamming down the bank and I see this absolute giant. And I remember Casey Scanlon being, you know, a couple docks down and Brandon Polinick, he was a couple docks down as well. And I believe they both saw that fish, but she was so skittish, spooky. The tournament was in June. Looked like the fish had already spawned, but it was just kind of hanging out on this flat. Wasn't locked on a bed at all. So I think she was either trying to spawn again or she was hanging out and waiting for the bread spawn to start. Right. So she's just kind of hanging out. Those fish are some of the toughest fish to catch. When they're just cruising along, you throw a Texas rig bait in there, and they just swim off and never come back. Well, I decided to go and start on that fish, and I had no clue if she was going to bite or not. You know, the day before, real skittish, saw her once, never come back. So I literally, I'm going down the flat where she was, and I pull out my little, it's a little Mega Bass Orochi X drop shot rod, little six foot ten rod six pound line straight cigar fluorocarbon on the reel and oddly enough it was the same rod and reel combo i used two weeks prior at table rock never even relined it and i, I don't even think i retied it but i had a little wacky rig firm on there weightless and a little technique we use out in california works really well but man i just threw that sucker out there i knew kind of where she was and i'm watching my line the worm fall and worm fall and all of a sudden i feel a tick except the hook and immediately i knew it was her so all eight pounds and 12 ounces of her. It was an epic battle. I mean, there was hydrilla everywhere. She was in the weeds, out of the weeds, in the weeds, out of the weeds. I felt like I was going to strip down completely naked to go in for that fish. <laughs> but, uh, it was just an epic battle on, on straight six-pound line, man. And I'll never, ever forget that. Fortunate enough to catch it on a GoPro cam. And almost the same story with the 12-pounder out there on the Delta. I grew up fishing the Delta. It was in an area I knew big fish spawned. Never even went there in practice. As I made that hour-and-a-half-long run down the Sacramento River. I just turned off. Something felt right. Let's go into this little marina and see what's around. And we had seven full days of hot weather, so the fish were up and they were spawning. So I was in a marina, so I'm idling in the back. There were other boats around. And I'm sitting in my seat there and I'm looking over my right shoulder and it, against these tulies on a grass flat, I saw these two big things in the water i go oh wow so i literally put it in reverse drop the trolling motor don't think my power pole just drop the trolling motor I, I don't even think i hit the troller but i pick up a drop shot 12 pound test i pitch in there and i shake it and the big fish is gone so i shake it and it comes closer she comes out of the grass comes closer i shake it again i tell my marshal man that's an eight pounder i shake it again i go that's a 10 pounder <laughs> she noses up on it, and I shake it one more time. I go, oh, my gosh, dude, that thing is an absolute giant. I'm thinking to myself. And I just give it one pop, and she just ever so slightly just sucks it in. And I'm thinking to myself, what do I do now? And I set the hook with 12-pound line, and the fight was on. And, again, same thing. She got into the weeds. I pulled her out into the weeds and out again. But uh, I definitely went crazy when, when I landed that fish. But the whole key to that deal, really weird how this happened. It was on a grass flat, so after that fish, you know, I trolled through these grass flats here, and every time I'd grind up weeds, the fish would take off and never come back. So it was the fact that I was idling through that marina, that fish just thought I was another boat, you know, just 
idling through. Right, so right. So it was because I was idling on the big motor, I was able to see that fish and catch it. So definitely very cool. That's exciting and priceless stories yeah. never forget. And kind of uh, brings me yeah, back yeah. to, uh, you know, some of Kurt's carp fishing stories with corn. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, nice. that's, that's what I've been doing all year. I've been fishing for carp with corn. It's all fun and games till somebody gets their feelings hurt. But uh, no, seriously, Chris, you know, versatility we've talked about for years on the yep. show is, is just paramount at you yep. guys' level. So yep. obviously you guys can do all things. You have to be versed and skilled at those things. But if someone is looking, say, to build their fantasy fishing team or to really get into what makes you successful, what do they need to understand that is your strength in bass fishing? Yeah, and you nailed it right there, Aaron. It's the ability to change tactics, techniques, and get away from what you learned in practice on the fly. And that's just something, you know, California anglers, Brent Ayler, Skeet Reese, Ish Monroe, all come to mind. Fred Rabanis. I mean, we're, we're all quick, Justin Lucas, we're all quick to shy away from plan A and plan B and go right into plan C right off the bat. So being versatile without a doubt. And if someone were to pick, you know, their fantasy fishing roster and, and if they consider me, I would take it one step deeper. You know, do a little research and one, find out, you know, the lake that we're fishing going into that tournament. Is it smallmouth? Is it largemouth? Taking it one step further is looking at the weather patterns. I think weather is the biggest determining factor. Is the pattern you found, you know, three days ago going to hold up or not? So, you know, a fantasy fishing player could actually look at the weather that we have at the lakes we're going to. And if there's you know, a big weather change, for example, you know, I, I feel like that's one of my strengths is being able to adapt to the conditions. The other thing is, is are there really big fish there? You know, on the lake we're fishing, the Delta, for example, or Toledo Bend, something like that. Growing up in California, we either throw something four inches long or 14 inches long. It's from one, ex- it's from one extreme to the other. And it seems like whenever we go to these cranking tournaments or, or good old jig or spinnerbait tournaments, I just do okay. It's when we go to those Toledo Bends, when we can throw the really big baits, or when we go up north and those smallmouth, like really small three-inch drop shot baits, is, is I think when I excel. Well, I'd like to elaborate a little bit more because uh, my wife, Diana, always kids that, you know, she said I should have been a weatherman because as much as what I pay attention <laughs> to the weather, I think any angler that's out on the water has to look at that at a real advantage or disadvantage as far as what's going on. Can you elaborate a little bit more when you see a weather change and I don't care, pick one, what do you do differently that may cause you to go right instead of left like you were in practice? Yeah, well, the absolute biggest thing is you cannot be hard-headed. And I'm still guilty of it myself, but a lot of times I'll see guys leading a tournament after two days and the conditions change. Let's say it's flat, sunny, 75 degrees, and, you know, a guy's catching them real good on a frog or top water or something like that. Well, the next morning, cold front comes in. It's cloudy. It's windy. It's raining. You cannot be stubborn. You cannot try to stick with the exact same thing you were doing over the last two days. You have to try something different. It's almost like going to a tournament blind again. One, you have to keep moving. Two, a lot of times you have to downsize. But the biggest thing, again, is you cannot be hard-headed. You just have to try something different, whether it be drop shot or slow dragging a jig or something like that. You can't be hard-headed. And a lot of times it's not, you know, if a cold front comes in, something like that, a lot of times it doesn't have to be finesse or a slow approach. A lot of times you got to make a bite with a reaction bait. One of the things I like doing year-round is throwing a jerk bait. The erratic motion of a jerk bait, like a Vision 110, that 
that erratic action pulls those fish out of the cover, pulls them out from wherever they're suspended, whatever it might be, and they attack that thing because it's so erratic and different. So don't be hard-headed. That's the biggest thing. Good stuff, Chris. Man, that's awesome. You're now living in the Dallas metropolis, right? Yeah. I don't know if you get a whole lot of chance to fish the lakes around there. I, I know you've been to Grapevine, at least. I, I know you've been around there. Yep. But it, yeah. <laughs> for, for all the folks that live in that area of the country, or maybe, you know, there's a lot of business that goes on, obviously, in that area. Sure. If you sure. were to pick your favorite lake, if, if we're visiting Dallas Metroplex, yeah. where should we head to? And without a doubt, right off the top of my head, Lake Fork. I was just there for the Skeeter Owners Tournament two weeks ago. The fishing in June there is absolutely phenomenal. This year's been kind of a weird year. You know, it's already July, but, you know, we had so much rain, and it spreads those fish out without a doubt. But, I mean, even when you have funky conditions like that, I mean, they were pulling current there two weeks ago, and that never happens. So even with these weird conditions, Lake Fork continues to pump out four to six pound bass, almost cast after cast after cast, it seems like. The other thing about Lake Fork is there could be a 600,000 boat tournament out there and the fish still bite. That's Peter owner tournament, <laughs> right. over, over a thousand boats out there, and there were still 10, 11 pound fish weighed in and numerous six to eight pounders. So that lake impresses me most. I mean, even with the fishing pressure or, or weird conditions, it seems like those fish continue to eat. It's like their own little strain out there. you got Florida strains, northern strains, and then you got the Lake Fork strain, and they're always hungry, it seems like. So Lake Fork definitely being the better of the two. And the next lake is going to be, um, you know, Trey, my fiance, she lives out here in West Fort Worth, and uh, there's a little lake over here called the Eagle Mountain Lake. There's a lot of docks on it, but that seems to be that one. I mean, every time I go, I can't seem to figure them out. Every time I go out deep there, the water's kind of muddy. There's a lot of docks. Every time I go out deep, I think I need to be shallow. Every Every time I go shallow, I think I need to be deep. So uh, Eagle Mountain probably. <laughs> that would drive you crazy, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah, try that in a tournament situation. But, yeah, <laughs> right. just out, out here. Yeah, just out here fun fishing. I stay away from Eagle Mountain. I know guys catch them really good there, but that one I definitely work on. I'll tell you a little gem out here is uh, out here in the West Metroplex here. It's called Lake Worth, and I'm literally sitting about five minutes from it, man. But the first time I went out there uh, out on Lake Worth, you know, the water's dirty. It's got that Texas dinge to it. A lot of docks in the water, and there's very few toolies. The guys out here in Texas call them reeds or cattails, but I right. call them toolies from out west, man. I mean, I don't care if that toolie stock is in six, seven inches of water and the, and the water's 85 degrees, man. Those fish love those toolies out there. I mean, there's nothing like flipping a jig into those toolies and watching those toolies shake before you get the bite. So, Lake Worth, that's a sweet little lake, definitely out here on the Western Metroplex. Good stuff. I tell you what, Chris, this has been some awesome interview, man, but we got to take a short intermission here on Bass Edge Radio. We're going to chat more with Chris Saldane following this break. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, returns with BASS Elite Pro Chris Zaldane in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. 
Well, Chris, we were talking about it a little bit earlier and uh, fishing around the Dallas Metroplex. But, uh, you know, water temps have skyrocketed in most parts of the country, you know, through June. And, you know, now we're in July. You're looking at water temps in the mid 80s, most places. So much rain, it really seems to have the fish scattered as well. Continuing with these high water conditions, warm water temps, how do you feel is the best way to attack scattered fish in this scenario? Yeah, that's a good question, Kurt. The first thing to look at when you're looking at June, July, you got to think on a normal year, where are they and what do they do? In most parts of the country, those fish are going to be post-spawned, they're going to be grouped up, and they're going to be deep. You know, that's on a normal year. So with that in mind, you know what I would do if I arrive at the lake and the whole ramp is submerged and you can barely launch your boat because the dock's underwater? Man, the first thing I do is, is I check that. You know, you got to keep those fish on it. I check those deep water areas, you know, and deep diving crankbaits, mega bass deep six, something you get out there 16 to 20 feet of water and cover a lot of water with. You're looking for drop-offs, channel swings out there. Most of the times it's offshore. Now with the water being high, a lot of times that will not work. So first thing I would do, check the deep water thing, do a lot of graphing, do a lot of idling, seeing if they're grouped up or not. A lot of times when the water's high, you'll see one or two fish out on those ledges or out on those long open points with the channel swing and you got to ask yourself is it worth stopping on or not so you know after graphing a lake like that i'm going to go the complete opposite go straight to the bank you know if i find the fish aren't out there grouped up and you see all these flooded willows flooded brush and flooded timber i think there's two ways to approach it you could either fish it really really fast square bill crankbait a buzz bait this time of year is really good uh, in and around flooded cover so you can either go really really fast square bill crankbait buzz bait or really really slow and just as simple as flipping, you know, big heavy line, 20, 25 pound test fluorocarbon and just flip every piece of cover you could find. But the biggest thing is if you take that approach and you're going to slow down and break it down real methodically, again, keep in mind where they're supposed to be that time of year. June, July, I'm not going to go to the back of a creek, let's say, and start flipping. You know, they're going to be somewhere on the main lake. So I would start with the main lake point. Somewhere they could go up shallow because, you know, everything's flooded, but they could also go out deep, you know, real quick and get out to the main lake real quick. So I'll flip main lake points. I'll flip uh, main lake pockets. You know, that's when I'm breaking it down and fishing real slow. The other thing to keep in mind, and I've seen it at Big Toledo Bend, you know, prime example is in June and July, those bluegill are, are still spawning and they're finishing up spawning. So there's a lot of big females, I think, that stay shallow. You know, looking for those bluegill beds, shallow main water pockets are the thing to cover. If you have any islands out in the middle of your lake, bluegill like spawning on those islands, just a little cut and coves in those islands. A lot of times they'll hold June and July fish when the water's high. Well, Chris, I know you well enough. Your personality is such, like most anglers, you know, you're content, but you're not necessarily satisfied when it comes to yeah. positioning or, or performance. And you're setting, in my opinion, in a fantastic place heading into the last three events here in the Elite Series in 20th. And, uh, you know, certainly well on your way to yet another classic. Do you have goals for these last few events? Or what would be your mental mindset to carry your momentum through the remainder yeah. of the year? Yeah, that's a great question and, and in my opinion I like where I'm at but I'm unsatisfied I only say that because it, again it's been an up and down season for me I think I've got an 80th place finish and then like a 55th place finish and then the rest of them have been pretty solid but going into the next three tournaments okay without a doubt you have to go out there and go at it like you're trying to win the tournament me personally I feel like okay if I go into it saying okay I'm in the classic cut you know with three tournaments to go you know I feel like if I go into it thinking okay just we just got to stay 
in that top 20. You just got to stay in that top 20. All you need is, you know, top 40 to the next three. I feel like if I'm going in it with that mindset, it's almost like laying up, you know, or, or letting down a little bit. Whereas if I go into it thinking, okay, I got to win this tournament or make a top 12 or, you know, I got to beat their brains in. Let's get after this thing hard. I feel like I'm better off because if I have a disappointing tournament, say 40th or below, it's still going to keep me where I'm at. But definitely going into it the next three tournaments with a mindset like I'm trying to win this, like you're trying to win every single tournament. There you go, man. Pedal down. That's the only way to move. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I got to say, you're a relative newcomer to the Elite Series. You know, a lot of guys have been out there 15, 20, shoot, 25 years. I know that you've been a fan for years. I can definitely see this kind of comes from just a week or so ago. We're, we're watching the U.S. Open, and Jordan Spieth, I think is the way his name's pronounced. He's won the Masters. Yeah. He won the U.S. Yeah. Open. Dude, you look at the top 20 in the PGA Tour right now, and seven years ago, those dudes weren't even in the fold, man. A lot of them were in freaking yeah. college or high school or whatever. Yeah. You know, so you're yep. starting to see the shift. You know, with fishing, yep. it seems like everybody talks about experience, and experience plays a huge role potentially in angler success. You know, you've been to yep. if you've been to Gunnersville 15 times, the 16th, hopefully you're better than you were the fourth time you went there, right? Sure. So you know, we're seeing, of course, you know, still flashes of the old guard that are being successful and consistent, but there is definitely a focus and a view from a new crop of anglers that are really starting to gain a lot of momentum. And they're really, in my opinion, starting to cause a shift in the paradigm of who is, I don't want to say the elite of the elite, but who is being very, very consistent on the tour right now. What do you think is really causing this shift? Taking all those things that, you know, you obviously got technology, plays a small role, I think, but experience is a huge role. The older guys have a lot more experience than the 20 and 30 year old guys, the guys that are 50s, you know, late 40s, they've been around yep. the game a long time. What do you think is causing this shift, Chris? Right off the bat, I'll tell you, it's social media and the use of the internet, uh, hands down. I mean, there's so much information available out there on the internet. I mean, from fishing reports, you know, going to the Elite Series, it seems like everyone reads the FLW reports and how things went down. But being able to go online like that and do a little research before we get to those lakes and, and network and just do that homework at home before we get to those lakes, I mean, that is, is absolutely huge. On top right. of social media, you know, a lot of these kids these days, and I'm 30 years old, so I can say kids like the guys you know 20 to 25 years old those kids are good i mean they're really good and definitely i mean without a doubt that social media man a lot of them they follow each other and they follow the veterans as well you know the veterans are on there every so often but i think with these guys they see their competition on instagram on facebook or, or they come out with a new article they see this day after day after day and they're thinking you know they're hungry you know they're hungry and, and they say i i really think they look at that and go well i'm gonna beat this guy i need to beat this guy i can i'm yeah. That. And that's the attitude they have, myself included. I, I feel the same way sometimes, but just the social media and internet, it keeps all the players engaged. And if you watch that, and if you stay on top of that, you could kind of, you know, uh, almost gain a competitive advantage. So I, I used to really pride myself, you know, going into it. It's my fourth year with the Elite now. But like I said, back in 2011, going into those Opens, I used to pride myself on, on the research I did before each tournament. And it's only gotten better now with social media and all the information out there. So I 
definitely think those guys that do their homework and keep that competitive edge, that level real high, they've got the advantage. I think that's why you're seeing that momentum swing, that younger generation. They're just hungry. They're absolutely hungry. Well, and I kind of view it as the, kind of the transition that professional baseball went through you know, yeah. years ago. You had the traditional where you had all these scouts across the U.S. and internationally mm-hmm. that was out there basically attending games. Well, now we have this whole breakdown yeah. of cyber metrics, you know, of how all these, yeah. these this critiquing, and that's kind of, yep. you know, in a sport that's individual where you don't have an offensive or a defensive coordinator, that falls on your own plate to do, and even, if you're, your own. even if you're a recreational angler that doesn't compete, yep. you still have all yep. that available to you, so it's what you do with and how you exactly. use that information that's going to make you a success. That's exactly right. That is 100% correct. Very interesting. Hey, Chris, we've got a, a listener question for you today. This segment yep. of the show is brought to us by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. This question was sent in to us by Paul Manders from Kernersville, North Carolina. And Paul asks, I'm an avid listener to your podcast and have not heard you talk about the fishing licenses that are required for the traveling pros. Do they need out-of-state licenses when entering tournaments? And if so, are they expensive? Yeah, that's a good question. Every time we go out-of-state there, we have to purchase an out-of-state license. Normally what we do, yourself included, along with all the other guys, is when we go to a venue, when we get into town, usually on a Saturday or Sunday, practice starts on a Monday, you know, we'll go to Walmart, we'll go to the local market, stock up on groceries for the upcoming week. But, you know, when you go to a Walmart or something like that, you go and purchase your license. The first thing I ask is, do you have a seven-day license? I normally just go with the seven-day unless uh, we have, a you know, another tournament in the same state, like New York. I think coming up here we're going to have a couple of that with the Northern Opens. But, you know, I'll ask if they've got a seven-day, and that's normally cheaper than than, than the yearly. Uh, a lot of times the yearly, they're going to cost an out-of-towner, an out-of-stater, normally 35 up to 58 $60 for a yearly out-of-state license. So the seven-day, you know, cuts down on cost a little bit. And a lot of times you can get them anywhere from $20 to about $35 or so. Yeah, definitely. Every state we go to, every lake we go to is different. But I always look for that seven-day. We went out to uh, California earlier this year, and I went out to take a look at the Delta. I hadn't been out there in, God, I don't know, eight or nine years. And just to give Paul a glimpse of some of the prices, it was 100 bucks. For an out-of-state yeah. license, yeah. of course, you got to buy an annual because you're there, you know, five or six days yeah. of pre-practice, and then you're coming back for the tournament. And Well, Kurt, and, do you uh, remember when we filmed up at uh, Indiana, and I don't want to pick on them because they did have at one point in time the largest federation, BASS federation in the whole United States, but when we launched yeah. up there at um, – Pataka. Yeah, yeah. yeah Patoka, yeah. yeah. And uh, we not only had to buy the license, which was outrageous, but then we were paying a per car, per boat. And of course, we had a camera boat. I mean, it was like 75 bucks just to launch the boat oh, per day and they didn't oh, cut us any slack that can certainly add a few uh, dollar signs to the budget at the end of the year but chris great information thanks for providing paul that yeah. interesting tidbit and hopefully that doesn't depress him too much but paul thanks for sending in your question and having it answered here on the show do not forget to email us at support at bassedge.com and we will send out your 100 dollars o'reilly auto parts gift card by the way i was just at o'reilly's yesterday i bought an alternator for my truck and that thing's running like a top now <laughs> 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 there yesterday. That's, great, man. That's awesome. You installed it yourself. I 
did. I'm, I'm a total do-it-yourselfer. I've got an 07 Ford F-250. I got 273,000 miles on that truck, and I, I'm a true believer, whether it be your boat or your truck, you know, you take care of it, and it's going to take care of you. So I'm a do-it-yourselfer, and I like doing all the maintenance on my truck and on my boats. Every year, I rig my boats out the way I like them, but that way you know what you have and what's going on in it. I rig my boats out every year. There's nothing like knowing yep. exactly what's going on. Yes. That way, if you have yes. any hiccups, you know exactly how to, or hopefully you know how to, you know, diagnose the issue. So uh, good yeah. stuff, Chris. Uh, I want to remind Bass Edge Nation, continue to send in that feedback. We really appreciate all the listener questions. I, I chose today's question just because I wanted people to know that pro anglers aren't any different than a weekend angler. And, you know, they've got to deal with every kind of issue that. Well, speaking of which, Kurt, you know, here we are talking to Chris and he's sitting <laughs> and in the I middle of a freeway. A <laughs> oh, yeah, what are you playing, a real life game of Frogger out there? Or what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually yeah, I'm actually sitting out on uh, I'm out in front of Starbucks right now, believe it or not. And uh, <laughs> it sounded like you're uh, on yeah. I-35. <laughs> I know, I know, it's busy. Everyone's going to work, and here I am at work. <laughs> Sorry for that. No, no, it's all good. We're nah, we're just we're busting your chain, man. No big deal. We totally lost it here, we guys. Were. We we might as well just <laughs> shut her down. But uh, I think you were going to tell everybody to make sure and send in their questions. That's right. That's right. So remember, Bass Edge Nation, we want your feedback on the show keep sending in those listener questions to support at bassedge.com or leave us a comment through our facebook or twitter page chris i'm sure most hardcore anglers know that your fiance trait is working hard as well to become an accomplished bass angler it's got to be exciting for you to work together to achieve your goals in bass fishing yeah without a doubt you know i met trey three years ago now at a central open on Table Rock Lake in Missouri there. And You're coming down and stealing my people. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I'll never forget. I, I was there at the tournament uh, hanging out with uh, Brandon Polinick. He fished that tournament. And I was just hanging out. They had a real nice cabin there in the south end there by, by Long Creek down there. And I was just hanging out that week. And I remember going to the weigh-in and uh, seeing this female pull up. She was in a, like a, a 2007 21-foot gambler bass boat dual power poles you know there are decals all over it i'm thinking man who is this chick you know it's all brunette and i'm like wow that's that's amazing you don't ever see that in a, you know at a weigh-in so she's pulling up and she's got one fish to weigh and, and uh, she goes in for a bag and i'm just thinking to myself wow i mean this is really cool i haven't seen this and i approached her and said hey look you know I, this is my rookie season i thought i was a you know big bad elite series guy right hey you know you know 2012 rookie season hey my name's Chris Aldane. I'm an elite series fisherman. What's yours, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <I> <laughs> at What's it. your <laughs> sign, baby? Took, right. Exactly, exactly. I kind of took that approach, but she was busy, you know, handling business and, of course, getting ready to weigh in and this and that. So she didn't really think anything of it. But, uh, you know, the days went on afterwards. I got on Facebook and you know, was messaging her. And basically I was telling her, hey, look, uh, you know, I qualified for the elites, uh, you know, last year through these central opens. And I know you're trying to do the same thing. You know, I could lend you a helping hand or I can give you some in, insight on how I did it so I felt like that was my way in that was my smooth smooth three and a half years later we're engaged so so you basically uh, what you're saying is, is you picked up your six six mega bass rod with your six pound test line and threw your wacky worm out yeah. there and shook it a few times and it worked huh I sh- and, and it worked a lot of times it doesn't but I did <laughs> I did I saw it I said hey I, I gotta have that <laughs> 
and uh, she fell for it, and we've been so happy. And, you know, that year, I think I had the best year on the Elite Series. I finished eighth place overall, and she shares the same exact goals that I have, and it's been absolutely amazing to be able to go through it together or something special. So, But, you know, what's funny about that is, is you know, when we, when we first met, you know, I could tell her, hey, you know, uh, you know, when you're drop shotting out on Table Rock, you got to have a, a, an eight-inch leader. Need an eight-inch leader. Have to have it. So she'll almost break out a ruler and, and tie that eight-inch leader. Now, since we've been dating for so long, I tell her to tie an eight-inch leader. She's going to tie a twelve or thirteen-inch leader on just because, you know, just keep her on. Oh, that's. But uh, oh. yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun growing up and uh, traveling with her. So uh, the big day, we're getting married on November sixth out uh, in the Las Vegas area, uh, Lake Las Vegas, which is adjacent to big, uh, Lake Mead, where they hold the Juan Pass U.S. Open every year. So we're going to be getting married there on Lake Las Vegas. So it'll be pretty cool. Well, congratulations, Chris. I, I, I do want to say, you know, this is probably not only one of the most educational, but the most entertaining episodes that, that we've done in the history of Bass Edge. And, and also, I'll leave you with a thought. I know you said you were going to invite me to the bachelor party. Kurt also set off air while we were on break that that he would volunteer to be the stripper for the bachelorette party. So um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I'll be sure to tell her that. <laughs> all right. All right. So, hey, guys, unfortunately, we are out of time. We've actually went over, but uh, I promise you, if you poll Bass Edge Nation listeners, they are wanting more. So let's be sure to uh, check out Chris on social media, send him some well wishes, and we'll certainly be rooting for you the rest of the season. Be sure to stay tuned as more Bass Edge Radio is on the way. Thanks, Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Whoa, that was a killer freaking interview. We ran way over our typical time, but how could you cut down Chris? Dude, guy is filled with passion. You could hear it in his voice. It was like you were living the stories, you know, there at the beginning. And uh, just an awesome guy, great angler. Happy to have him on Bass Edge. Certainly an interview we will revisit in the future. Yes, and I would encourage all Bass Edge Nation listeners to probably go back and listen to that one a couple times as there was a lot of information to digest. That should have actually been called Master's Class with Chris Zaldane, but you know what? We appreciate you guys tuning in to each and every episode as uh, we get to have fun talking with some of the nation's top bass anglers right here on Bass Edge Radio. Unfortunately, we are well beyond our time limit. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode, number 212, July 15th, right here on Bass Edge Radio. 
You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. The Edge is presented by Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. <laughs> 